What's going on, everybody? And welcome. This is episode number seven, uh, uh, 37, I should say, of RizzoCast. And we are joined today, privileged to be joined today by right-handed pitcher for the regaining American League champion, Tampa Bay Rays. Tyler Glass now is here with us. Tyler, what's going on, man? How you doing? Nothing much, dude. Thanks for having me on, though. I appreciate it. I appreciate you coming on. So we got to give a big shout out. We were talking off air for a second. Tom Harlan, your guy set this up. Uh, what kind of teammate, real quick, because I know he's watching. What kind of teammate, what kind of friend is he? Tom was the man. Tom was always the guy who was like the lighthearted one in the clubhouse. Like he was always like, well, he, he worked really hard. He was always on it and like always doing what he needed to do, but he was always one to like cut the tension. He was always like the funny one. Everyone always knew like Tom was in there having a good time. Um, but yeah, he was nasty. We played in the fall league together, played in, we played in a lot of levels, high A, double A. Um, yeah, he was a phenomenal teammate. We had a, a really good team. I think every year we were together, we had like a lot of really good personalities and Tom was definitely like at the forefront of it. So he's, I still think he's a, he's a really good dude. So did you ever expect him to end up in a classroom and coaching high school baseball? <laughs> I know he actually, I mean, I know he would mention it sometimes even like, um, I think like towards the end when he was almost done playing, I remember him talking about it a little bit. Like I always think he had kind of something like that in mind. Um, but yeah, I think like he's got the perfect personality for it. Like I would have loved if he was my pitching coach or something like that, or like a teacher of any kind, like that would have been sweet. Yeah. We, we love Tommy. We love Tommy. All right. So congrats on a great year. Uh, the Rays were the best team in the American league all year long. Uh, the, the world series was a lot of fun. I know you guys were, um, were there the year before too in the postseason. What's it like playing in the World Series? I'd imagine there's nothing like it. Yeah, it was unbelievable. It was definitely different this year. I mean, I've never, I don't have anything to compare it to. Like, it was my first World Series, but like it was weird with, especially leading up to it, like having no fans and then going into Arlington and having like a limited amount of fans. So like that transition from nothing to a little bit of fans was, was kind of weird going out. Um, but it was an unbelievable experience. Like just like the buzz around the the stadium and just even arriving there and like going to your clubhouse and like seeing all the it just was like a different feel and it was but it was awesome and I think too for like just in the future it's such a good experience to have especially being like relatively young in the baseball world um I know it'll help me in my career just knowing that I, I kind of went through like uh, the postseason and I went through the world series like kind of knowing like if you can go and get through that and like you can kind of accomplish and feel ready for anything yeah, for sure. Uh, for sure. Pitching in the World Series. I mean, you're the only game on. I mean, there's there's no other games, national television, the big spotlight, even without the fans. I'm sure the adrenaline rush is absolutely through the roof compared to the regular season. Was that how you felt before? Because I know you had two starts in the World Series. Was that how you felt before each start? Just adrenaline, pure adrenaline? So the best thing about going in the playoffs in 2019 was learning like what I was going to feel like in the playoffs in the postseason, And I think like, even then you do have that extra ump of adrenaline, but I think it's, I was able to kind of like, I guess like wrangle it in a bit more. Like you still have those feelings and like that, like, wow, this is insane. But like, you're still able to like go out and kind of just put the blinders on and focus. I definitely would be lying if I said I didn't have extra adrenaline. I was for sure like up there, like I felt like jumpy and like pretty, pretty, uh, not stiff, but I guess just like a little, a little different, like especially starting a game. But it's kind of one of those things when you get into the rhythm of it, it just turns into like any other normal game. So it felt normal again after that. But like you said, too, even during the regular season with no fans, like the amount of adrenaline I had was like 
pretty shocking. I didn't really feel that much different from no fans to fans in the stands. So you've been watching baseball for a long, long time. Was there anything more exciting than what you saw with the game five finish with, with Brett Phillips walk off single? Yeah, I was, yeah, no, that was, that was incredible. I was in the bullpen at that game too. It was game four, I think. And we were in the, actually sitting in the bullpen and I ended up starting the next day, but we were just sitting down there and I, I, we had like kind of a weird view, but I remember just everyone, like all everyone's reaction was exactly the same. Like it was the, uh, he hit it, everyone was freaking out. And then a Rosarini was going around third, everyone was freaking out and then he fell and everyone kind of like, oh, and then they threw it away and he ran. It was just, it was unbelievable. It was like storybook moment. I honestly don't think you could have like written it up any better. So it was definitely a moment that I'll never forget. Was it true Brett needed medical attention afterwards? His heart rate was going so it was beating so much. What was going on after the game? He was, I saw him and I was like, uh, are you all right? Like, uh, he definitely <laughs> was like on a whole nother level. Like, he was, because Brett too, like, he has that like really like fast heart rate kind of kind of thing. And you can get him going and he'll like, so, but I mean, when I remember seeing him when he came back in the clubhouse, he was like, I need him in there. Like, you guys need to calm down. Like, he was. And I mean, he too, he's like the fastest person I've ever met. So I'm sure it's like, he almost had like a horse race heart where he just like would beat so much and you just, I don't know, but he ended up being fine. So we're good. <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to expose him here, but is, is his laugh real? Is that like authentic? Real. It's a real. I remember too, like, I was like, isn't it real? And like, I, we hung out like basically every day in the bubble and it is a thousand percent real. It doesn't happen all the time, but if you get him like to laugh pretty hard, it happens. He just gets stuck. It's a hundred percent real. <laughs> that's awesome i like that he just gets stuck yeah. uh, so you guys came a game short of forcing a game seven is that something that takes a while to get over did you get over it at all or did you kind of already start setting your sights on 2021 right after yeah i mean it sucks in the moment but i think like for me personally i don't know about like i can't speak for everybody but i know a lot of it was like try to pull the positives from it as fast as you can. Cause I know like even learning from last year like sitting and dwelling on it doesn't really do anything and obviously like being a human being like you're gonna always think about it and whatnot but I think I was able for me like after a while kind of to separate from it and just use it as motivation to go into the next year and hopefully just I mean pull out a world series winner even if not just let it like try and find something like a positive from it and just like learn from it yeah let's talk about the next year 2021 here a few of your rotation mates have kind of moved on here Charlie Borden to the Braves Blake Snell to the Padres what are some of your solid um stories on those guys let's start with Blake Snell because I know Blake Snell's been there for a while give me your your best Blake Snell story let's hear it oh I would mean you should have sent me these questions I gotta think about this <laughs> uh, god I don't even know I can't even like I'm sure there's so many too even with Charlie and I just can't even I'm like on the spot now I can't even think of it um well, what are you gonna you know miss about I him I think I guess like when I first got traded over it was like uh, they put me next to him in the locker room and he was really just like kind of warm hearted and we talked about a lot of stuff and I was really struggling at the time. And I know when Blake first got called up to the big leagues, he kind of struggled with the similar, just kind of had to like acclimate into the big leagues. And we kind of just sat and chatted about that for a while. So that was nice. And he was, that was his year he won the, the Cy Young. So it was just nice to pick his brain and kind of like see where his mindset was in that year in comparison to where it was in the year prior. So not like a very cool story, but it was just, he was just a nice dude to talk to when I first got traded over. And I know he's a big video game guy. Do you guys have video games in the clubhouse? What's that like, you know, kind of before games? Not really. Uh, Pittsburgh, we had video games in, like, that room. And then we, not, we don't have any video games in Tampa's thing. And, like, you can if you want. I just don't think anyone was, like, trying to, like, do it in the clubhouse. I don't know. But a lot of places will have, like, video games and, like, 
most of the time guys are playing cards or playing ping pong or like doing something because there's so much downtime. But um, I think so much of it too, as a starter, you usually have like so much stuff to do in between that like 2 PM to 7 PM window before the game starts that like, there's not a lot of just sitting around doing stuff. But I mean, I know that there's a lot of teams that play video games. So I don't know. I guess I can't speak for everybody. So you, are you like a, like a stationary bike guy in between starts? Do you run stadiums? How does that work? Cause I know running is, and Tom Harlan back to him, he will preach this running is super important uh, for recovery for, you know, getting stronger on the mound. What do you, what's your, what's your uh, routine there? I really, I enjoy running more so for like the mental aspect of it. Like yeah. physically, obviously it gets your blood going and everything like that, but there's nothing better than just like trying to like separate from a start or the following day, just kind of like getting the endorphins going, like going on a really like hard run. But I think too, especially as I get older now, it's finding something that like I can get my heart rate up really, really high without having to have all the impact. So I will definitely run. And if I am going to run in season, I'm going to do more like as hard as I can sprint so I can like deload on my low half, like the constant pounding of running like long distance throughout the year can kind of build up over a year. When you're younger, it's a lot easier, I guess in the minor leagues too, you don't have as many starts. You can kind of get through it easier. But for me, if I like my following day, it'll be like a stationary biker and elliptical, like a really hard, like 40 minutes. of just like really, really heavy sweat, like dripping. And then um, you'll go into like a lot of mobility and like a lot of, I still lift pretty heavy in season. Like once a week I'll do lower and then like within that five routine, I'll do a lower body and upper body. A uh, really heavy sprint day, and then a, a really like long distance um, cardio day. But trying to do as low impact as I can. So I mentioned Snell and, and Morton; those guys are gone. So you're going to be the guy now at that uh, at the top of the rotation. Is you know this is a staff that you're most likely going to lead. Does that bring like a new mindset? Or are you still kind of thinking some of the same thoughts you had if if those guys were still there? No, I mean I've never even really like so the the one one through five like rotation starter number has never meant anything to me. Like a lot of it, just like you just have to go and pitch every fifth day. Like I don't really think it means that much to anybody. I'm sure like getting the opening day start and stuff like that means something, but I've never really put any thought into it really. Like I have to go out and just compete and I don't really care what, like if I'm leading the staff or whatnot, like we have so many good pitchers. I think it just comes down to everyone just has to do their job. Some of the new rules that were implemented in the 2020 uh, season we saw happen Three batter minimum, I guess, doesn't really affect you since you're more of a starting pitcher. What did you think about some of the extra inning stuff, maybe extra inning runner starts at second base? I mean, it, it, something that, that we saw in tournament baseball, of course, people my age. Is it weird to kind of, you know, live that when you were a little bit younger in tournament baseball and then come back to it at the big league level? Yeah, like I've never even played with like a runner on second in the 10th inning. Like right when it becomes extra, it's like you got a guy on second. That was – I don't know if I'm being honest, like in the course of a season playing 162 games and all that stuff, like it, it was pretty awesome in having two seven inning double headers because like it's such a grind, especially for the position players with limited amount of off days within that shortened season. It was kind of a necessity in terms of like not having those like 30 inning days, like when you have a double header and like both of them go into extra innings. So like when I look at it like that, I think it's, it's nice. But then I look at the flip side of like the pastime of baseball and like, I don't necessarily want all the rules to change like they have been. I do think there has to be some sort of like kind of speed the game up, like do what you can, like you have to adapt with the times and like to appeal to a younger crowd. But I think like if I had to have any, I would like get a poll of everyone who watches baseball and ask them what they want. And if like 51% say don't change it, then don't change it. Like 
but for me, I, I can flip flop on both sides so much. I can see, I can see like benefits from both sides. And of course, the DH. No, obviously, pitchers don't want to face the extra guy hitting. Let's. So I'll switch it on you. Did you like hitting when you're in the National League with the Pirates? Was hitting something that you looked forward to? Yeah, it was like the greatest thing ever. I loved it. <laughs> and I also sucked so much in Pittsburgh. So like when I would hit, I was like, all right, like. I was like, I was decent too. The year I actually hit, I was like, I think I led the team in the worst ERA, and I also led the team in average. But I only had like a very small amount of at bats. But hitting was awesome, just because it was kind of for me at that time like a way to separate from pitching like that, like kind of get my head off of pitching and just to go in and compete and kind of feel like you're like literally again, you just get to go out and hit. And I would consider myself a decent athlete, so like when I went out there, I really wanted to go and like do well and like see a lot of pitches, and it was like challenging and um but yeah like i i love hitting so even now like if there's no dh i'm kind of like whatever bring it on like i don't i don't mind that at all yeah you hit in 2017 you hit 294 and you had a 749 ops so there you go Not very so, many at bats and a lot of them infield singles but like it was still awesome it was fun like so yeah i, I enjoyed it a lot well your strikeout to walk ratio is pretty incredible four walks compared uh, with seven strikeouts that's something that we don't normally see uh, pitchers do. So there you go. I'll give you some applause there. Um, I so rather this, would have pitched better and hit worse, but you know, what can you do? <laughs> yeah. What can you do? Maybe, maybe uh, you should have been, uh, been in the lineup a little bit more. That would have been cool. <laughs> Just stick you in right field, hide you out there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Perfect. So I've seen some video of you throwing this off season. What does your routine look like every day this winter? Um, is it, is, has anything changed from years past? Uh, yeah, I guess kind of like for the most part, I think the last like two or three years, I've really kind of come into my own as far as like a routine, like knowing what I want to do. Um, so it's, it's basically like Monday's a heavy lower body lift with a throw and like conditioning Tuesday's a heavy upper body with a uh, bullpen now. And Wednesdays are off. I just do mobility and conditioning Thursdays, lower body, Friday, upper body, Saturday, Sunday off. And I throw my bullpens on Tuesdays and Fridays. So that's pretty much like routine as of now. And I think too, you kind of start to find things you need, like everyone's different to where like, I guess the only example I can think of is like, for me being really tall, I'm usually very like front loaded. So I need to like tailor my workouts to get my hips to shift back. So like I'm doing like heavy deadlifts to try and like get as straight as I can on the mound. So it's just like, as you go through the off season to understand like what you need to do to get your body to be ready and like also feel healthy. You can kind of just like, I got my own little program and I'm going to a place in Arizona called Fisher. Um, I think it's Fisher Institute or something like that, but they have like a really, a lot of really good trainers, a lot of really good PTs. So a lot of other pro guys work out there. It's a really nice atmosphere. So your pitching coach, Kyle Snyder mentioned that you're working on a few new pitches, the cutter and the changeup, kind of polishing those. Can you confirm these developments? Yeah, I'm throwing the cutter. Like I threw it today a little bit. It, it felt pretty good. The changeup, I'm throwing a bunch right now. Um, I kind of switched up my curveball slider. I basically, it's a like curveball slider kind of thing. Like I've changed the grip up. One's a little harder, one's a little softer. But like my biggest goal for that is just to be able to throw a lot more like pitches for strikes with it. And like as of now, it's been feeling really, really good. My last couple of opens have felt really nice. So as the season progresses and spring training and whatnot goes on, um, I'll be able to kind of like shape it how I want and all that. Yeah, I can't wait to see it. So in terms of pitching, are you a video guy? Do you spend time before games, before starts with video? Do you kind of mix it up based on how you feel a certain day, what's working, what's not? What's your kind of routine on a game day? 
Yeah, if I feel like really out of whack, I'll check video out. But for the most part, I don't really want because for me, and I think for most pitchers, it's more of a mentality thing. Like if you convince yourself it's a mechanical thing, generally in my my like I don't know experience, I think like pitchers will convince themselves it's something physical when it's really not. Like everything starts with the thought. Like if you can be loose and athletic, your body will align itself how it needs to throw strikes. So the games that I struggle a lot or I get into trouble. I'm too concerned with like mechanics and like what I saw in a video or something like that. When really, when I do really well, I'm just out there like in the backyard having fun. So I try to avoid that stuff, but like there are certain times when you are really just out of whack physically. It doesn't happen like super often as long as, and like, and you've done all the steps mentally and like you understand it's not a mental thing. And so I'll mix and match sometimes. Like last year I started to over rotate a bit too much and, I didn't notice it until I looked at video and then I made the adjustments throughout the week and everything started to take shape a lot easier. How much do you guys as a staff look at statistics? Like, cause I know analytics has kind of taken over the game and uh, you guys coming up, it's a little bit used to it more than, you know, maybe some of the other veterans on the team, but spin rate, do you guys look at spin rate? Like, is it like worshiped as much as some of the outsiders think it is? Cause I'm an outsider looking in is spin rate as much of a big deal in a big league clubhouse as it is maybe outside. It's, I guess it's like more than just spin rate. Like spin rate isn't necessarily like the it's, I guess for me, like what spin does is it creates like that Magnus force on the ball where like you get that, that carry. So the most important thing for me is carry. Like I want to mm-hmm. get like a fastball to look like it's rising and, to achieve that high spin rate helps, but it's not the number one thing. Like I'll have a low spin fastball, lower spin that has more carry than a higher spin fastball that has less carry. It's like efficiency behind the baseball, like how much you can spin it, how efficiently you can spin it. There's a lot of different things. Like spin rate is like an easy way to say like not velo, I guess, but there's so many other components that go into like what spin rate is. Like I do pay attention to spin rate a lot. Like on my curveball, I want it to be high and efficient. And my fastball, I want it to be high and efficient. But, um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge believer in all that. I think that's kind of where the game's going. And people now can identify, like, guys that used to throw, like, 90-92. They'd be like, eh, they're not that good. And, but now they can realize, like, we got a couple dudes on our team that it's, like, throw, like, low 90s but have, like, 13 inches of carry and nobody can hit them and they throw 90. So now it's, like, identifying. So guys like that who are special and, like, nobody knew why they were special, it's, like, you can kind of mix and match and, like, pick your team accordingly now like you can have like such a skewed group of pitchers as opposed to just having a bunch of people who do the same exact thing yeah it's pretty unbelievable how they could actually track spin weight and i don't even want to like learn how they do that yeah. i know how to interpret it but i don't i don't want to learn how to do it do yeah. you ever find yourself are you a guy that and pitchers don't like to admit this but or maybe they do i don't know do you ever look at the the radar gun in the ballpark <laughs> is that- <laughs> five seconds yeah of course dude Every pitcher does. Not every pitcher. Like, I'm sure there's some guys who don't care, but absolutely. And then, like, most of the time, there's a couple different types of people. Like, pitchers who look at the radar gun, people who don't, and then people who lie about looking at the radar gun. And there's more people who look at it than don't. But I look at it all the time, and I'm not, like, afraid to show you that I'm looking at it. Like, Mm -hmm. for me, too, the biggest thing is I'll have games where I'll start the game, and I feel like I'm getting on it, and, like, I'm being aggressive. And I'll look up, and my velo will be, like, 94, 95. And, like – I'm like, what? I thought I was like, and then my next pitch will be 98 just because like, it's weird. Like you think you're really getting on it and you're being aggressive and, and like the radar gun can kind of tell you if you are or you're not. And also now too, there's a new, like they'll show you your carry, which is like a relative to spin rate, but it'll be on the board now. Like in Arlington, they'll show your velo, your horizontal break and your vertical break. So sometimes if I'm like kind of cutting off the side of it, 
or sometimes like, I'm like, Oh, that's not feeling really good out of my hand. Like I want to see, I can like look up and be like, okay, I'm not getting as much carry. I need to stay close longer and or like change my arm angle to like try and get this ball like up or so I, I definitely look at all that stuff. If it's there, I'm going to look at it. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't imagine asking like a, like a soft tossing lefty that question. Like, do you look at the, cause you know, they're, they're going to look up like a Barry Zito. If I ever asked him, do you look at the, the radar gun? He's going to probably say no. Um, you know, I'm just trying to make yeah, my... yeah, yeah. Cause I mean, you look up, there's not much there, but yeah. anyways, it was, it's an interesting question. I had to ask it. Yeah. Um, so you were drafted by the Pirates, um, had some time there before being traded to the Rays. What are some of the big-time um, differences between those two teams' philosophies in terms of pitching? Because I know the Rays – well, I guess every team now is analytically driven, but the Rays were kind of the first tier that, that kind of came into that world. So what are some of the differences in the philosophies? I think it was just with the Pirates, it was more about like what previous pitchers had done um, that worked. And I think it's not even like that, like every team was doing what the pirates were doing. They were just later to adapt the analytics. Like I don't really like fault them for it. I just think it's like when you're struggling, they'll be like, okay, well you're not doing well. This worked for these people in the past. So like, obviously you put two together, like you should just do this. When now there's more of an understanding of like, I spin the ball really fast. I should be throwing the ball up in the zone to get swing and misses as opposed to like, I think so much of the pirates philosophy was like, sinker ball like get a lot of ground balls put the ball in play like keep the ball out of the air limit home runs and I think it was just more of a matter of like we got to try different things if it's not working you got to you got to mess around and try some new stuff and then um they were starting to adapt to it before I got traded like a little bit and then I got traded to the Rays and it was completely different they had more of like concrete evidence because I consider myself more of like a numbers guy I'm kind of in between but if you can show me like hard evidence of like why this is good then I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And I just think it was more of like when someone was telling me to do something with the pirates, I was like, nobody really knows if this is going to work, but I'll try it. So I'm going out there experimenting with new things. And then with the rays, it's like concrete evidence of like this, when you do this, this happens when you don't do this, this happens. So it was just easier to buy in. So you're six, six. I know you mentioned you're, you're tall. Uh, for those of you guys that don't know are six, eight, six, eight. Harlan's. It says six eight, but I'm not. I'm like I'm I'm just under six eight. I'm like six seven, and but I'm I just say six seven. In cleats, I'm six eight. Yeah, Harlan is six six. I think so. I think I'm getting you guys mixed up. Which I mean, you guys kind of talk like the same. It's like you guys are kind of like brothers from another mother. It's kind of California boys. That's why. Yeah, there you go, California boys. Um, I've seen video of you dunking. Was basketball ever considered over baseball? Was that ever anything you ever thought? When I was little, I was like. I loved basketball. That was like, I played a lot in like travel leagues and stuff. And then I just got like super goofy. Uh, I'm a quote unquote late bloomer. So everyone was just like huge, just like grew and, and everything like that. And I was just like, I had huge feet and I was still really short and I just kept getting hurt. So I think there was a certain time where I like, I played football too. I played basically, I did track baseball, football, basketball. And I loved all of them. But like, I got to a point where I was just like getting hurt all the time. And I was just like prepubescent. And I was like, all right, I got to stick with baseball. Like, everything I do, something hurts. And then I just kind of like picked for me. Like there are seen my senior year, the basketball coach really wanted me to play for, or like try out for the team. And I was like, I'm not, I was like looking at colleges and stuff then. And I was like, I'm not going to risk it. Are you a big believer that the baseball players could do anything like any sport? Cause like you put a football guy in front of a pitching machine and it's just, yeah. there's no chance. I mean, I, go ahead. No, not really. Like I think <laughs> they can, they can do it like athletically. Like, 
above, like better than the average person, but like you can't put a football, a baseball player into like NFL or the NBA or like even probably college and have them compete. Maybe some guys who are like really freakish athletic, but like when you get to that level in any sport, there's so much of like a mental component that goes into it to where like you can compete on like a, you can look good and everything like that. But the, the reason like football players and basketball players suck at baseball, cause it's like, you need to be able to mani- like manipulate your, your arm to be able to throw that way. Like when I take my left arm and I throw, I look terrible. Like it's just it's something you have to continue to do. But um, I would say, like, baseball players in general, there are a lot of really good athletes, but I don't think they could, like, just sneak into, like, the NBA or something like that or the NFL and, like, do well. No way. So I became a PO in high school. When did you, when did you stop hitting? When did you, you know, kind of yeah. finish high school? I stopped hitting in, like, my sophomore year. I hit a little bit my junior year, a little bit my senior year, but I was a uh, PO after, like, sophomore year. I was, like, that's when I was, like, at my ultimate goofiness. And I had, like, oh, yeah. no, I was just like, all my coordination went out the window and I could like throw relatively hard. And I, and they were like, just pitch. Like, this is what your future is in any way. Like, let's just, let's just keep you there. I wasn't very good either. Like I just couldn't, everything was just gangly. Yeah. POs are one of a kind. Let me tell you, yeah. they're, they're, they're definitely creatures. Um, so obviously the, the height, uh, I, I think the high socks look really good with the height. Like it, it just matches really good. So what's, what's the uh, reason why you wear the high socks? I like them. Uh, and with Pittsburgh, they made it mandatory in the minor leagues. And so I was just like always had it in the minor leagues and I pitched really well in Pittsburgh within the minor leagues. And then like I experimented with the pants down and I never did well with them, which it has nothing to do with the pants, but I was like, forget it. I'm going back to the high socks, but it really, as of now, it's just, I just think it looks better. Like, I have huge, I have like very long legs and the, and the tall pants never fit me right. And I have like, it just looks weird. And I like to be more mobile. I don't like having something below my shins because I have a really big leg lift and sometimes pants just feel like tight and caught. So if I can just have the short pants, I just feel like my legs can move a lot better. And I just, I don't know, I like feel more athletic. I hate to be intentional talk here, but I have a few rapid fire to close it out here. Um, number one, if you were a superhero, what would you want to be able to do? Fly, for sure. There you go. I would love that's to a good one. Teleport or fly, but flying would be more fun. What is one thing that's on your baseball bucket list? Oh, I don't know. I, I mean, I think, uh, I don't know. I would say, like, I'd be cool, like a no-hitter, a perfect game, or like a Cy Young or something like that. And I think it's so much of, like, setting your goals process-oriented. Like, I just want to do, like, hit all the marks I need to do. Not My goal is not to win a sign. It's to do everything in order to put myself in that position to be able to win a sign. But to answer the question in short, it would be something like that. Perfect game, no hitter, or Cy Young. So like, something like that. Who's the funniest teammate you've ever had? Oh, that's good. Uh, Stetson Alley is extremely hilarious. Uh, Tom Harlan was very funny. <laughs> there. Uh, Jamie Westbrook, I've never played with him, but he plays baseball. That kid's hilarious. Who else? There's so many funny people that I've met in baseball. Oh, um, I, I've never played with anybody, but Kevin Crone, I've met him like one time, and that guy had me laughing for like two hours straight. So I'd say like I'd put all four of them, though. But number one, with who I've played with, Stetson Alley. Yeah, if, if you didn't mention Tom Harlan, I was, my next question would have been funniest minor league left-hander that you played with. So oh, yeah. all, all right, right. last one here. Um, I'm looking down the list. I'm trying. What is what is something that you you like to do outside of baseball? What what is a hobby that you have outside? Um, I really really enjoy like 
lifting and stuff like that, which is not such a boring answer because it's a kind of a necessity within baseball. Like, but just like having, like doing, like physically, being physically fit and like eating healthy and like cooking. That is like something I love to do in the off season. But as far as hobbies go, like everything I love to do, I can't do anymore. I used to skateboard every day all the time. And I, I like wish I could go out and do that. I used to snowboard every winter all the time. And like surfing is, is cool. I didn't do that as much, but like I would say like skateboarding and snowboarding are 100% the things I'll do the second I retire from baseball. Is it written anywhere where you can't do that? Yeah, it's in your contract. You can't do anything like motorcycles or anything. Like it's in there somewhere. And I wouldn't want to jeopardize it anyway, like roll an ankle or do something stupid. But yeah, I also would say I like traveling is a huge hobby of mine. I still do that a lot in the off season. For sure. Tyler, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Um, you guys could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Go ahead and check it out and all of the previous 36 episodes. Taylor, be- uh, Taylor. Jesus. Tyler, best of luck to you um, in 2021. Uh, we can't wait to watch you pitch with the Rays. Appreciate it, man. Thank you for having me on. You did a really good job. That was awesome. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, guys. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for listening. Hit subscribe. Hit like. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever. We're on it all. Thanks for listening and have an unbelievable rest of your day.